Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Pat Greiner. She has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls! Every time I drive so up to work now, I'm like, I look wistfully over at the credit union. I remember when Vonnie used to work there and then we could go to lunch. Well, we never did anyway. A couple of times. A couple of times, but it's just, but it was so convenient. It was so convenient yeah. because like when I, like, like now when I have a bank statement in my bag that I've had in there for like two weeks. That's so funny. <laughs> she gets up right up to the computer. Oh, it's because it's this. What's the temperature there? Oh, it's cooler. I think it's only in the 60s today. I was going to say, you've got a long sleeve shirt on, so it must be. Yeah, it was, it was cooler this morning. It got down into the 40s overnight. It's 95 here right now. Oh, geez. I'm so ready for the 40s. <laughs> I uh, am, I'm not. I'm not ready for the 40s. I really am not. I just want it to be in the 70s. The 70s for yeah. me, 75, 74, sweet spot. Well, 40s for an overnight low, 70s as a high. How about that? That's okay, we'll because then at night it gets cool. And you can cuddle up under your blanket yeah. or wear your um, a, you know soft sweatshirt to bed or something. Or I don't know, when you're having freaking night sweats. Yeah, don't even get me started on degrees. Don't even get me started on that, you know. Ever since I started taking this cancer medicine, you know, that blocks all your hormones and whatnot. Yeah. And I thought, mm -hmm. I thought my hot flashes were bad before. Holy crap. Ooh. I don't yeah. dare I wear a, like a long sleeve shirt to work now. I have to layer up because the power flashes oh. are bad. Oh, yeah. You've got to be able to throw off those layers. I know, right? <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> And, and it's still I've to heard be... that that happens. Oh, it's just... are we are we waiting for Megan or is she not no, here this week? No, either? Megan is in Orlando. Oh, that's right. Oh, so it's just her. the three of us this week. Well, it was supposed to be Keith too, but she lost internet service, so she she can't get hers fixed until like Monday ish. I guess it's just oh. the three of us again. I I got a notice the other day from I because I'm one of those. I forget which one, one of those information breaches, and then you get free credit monitoring for a year or two. Right. Well, I got a note from one of them that said, hey, we found your email address on the dark web along with a password. Oh, shit. And, and so I messaged him. I was like, which password did you find? Can you tell? And they said, we don't know. It just was an indication that there is a password attached to it. Uh, we can't actually see which one it was. So it could be an old so one. So I changed well, it might have been, but just in case I did, I have, I have like a password that I use for stuff that's financial across different accounts. That, Ooh, that, I would never do so, that. So I, you, not just one password for all my financials. I, I don't know. I read a system once and it said basically use, you can use a, a really strong, really hard password for like level one stuff that you want to keep secure. Hmm. And then you have other passwords that you use for lesser stuff yeah mm. so yeah i went in and had to change 14 passwords yesterday. oh my Dang. god i and don't just even guess it, just in case that was the one that got compromised 
Yeah, I don't even know how many passwords I have out there now. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I hope they can find a way to completely do away with passwords. That'd be so nice, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, you can, and you can get, I know a lot of people recommend you use a password manager, but I've just no never way. gotten around to I mean, that, de- that totally defeats the purpose of a password. To you know put what? it in, um, to put it all in a all in one spot so that if it gets compromised, they they get yeah. everything. That makes no I, sense to me. You know what dystopian novel um, was about a company that um, did away with passwords to help people's ease on the internet on all of their social apps and internet. Was that the circle? Yes. Of course it was. Of course so, it was. Be grateful. Yeah. That the circle passwords. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And rem- IA isn't taking over the world. Quite AI. Yet. No. Whatever. Yeah, AI. AI, IA. We just don't want them to take over. IA is Iowa. I seriously doubt they have it yet. Yeah. <laughs> have you read they the circle, might. Pat? You never know. What? Have you read the, the circle? circle? No. I do not know that one. Yeah, the circle, and I don't remember what the the uh follow-up to that was it's a lot about it's about a company that's a lot like uh facebook slash google or one of those and Uh, it was really creepy the movie was terrible skip the movie the book was pretty good though yeah i was i mean i've been listening to a book i was listening on the way home from the theater it was like this seems like i think it's fairly new and it seems like a martha book i was like you better check and make sure she doesn't have this one on her cue to review the ocean or the the mountain in the sea yeah i've already read it and reviewed it sorry oh, son of a bitch <laughs> damn it pat <laughs> it's a really good book though have yeah you, are you are you reviewing yeah. had you planned to review it today oh no i'm only about a quarter of the way through oh it. it's fantastic well how long ago did you review it Maybe oh we can it, do it, again. it has not been that long it's only been like oh. maybe a a year because it's fairly new i didn't remember you talking about it but hold on maybe i didn't because i don't remember it either the mountain and the sea let's see i could check the well, list i was gonna say i'd check the list but i'm not sure i can get to the list without accidentally getting out all of right it. let me do it hold on um the list is new God, yeah, I think she damn. just updated it. Got a pain? It's on the inside now. Before, uh-huh. before it was only hurting like at the, what, what do you call it? At, at the, the incision. Yeah, okay. but now the place where the lump was hurts. Because oh. the inside is healing. Yeah, probably. yeah, it's trying to redo all of its connections in there right now. My it bo- misses its lump. I, it does. Man, when I raise yeah. my arms now, I have a big divot. Mm. A big divot where the boob lump was. Here we go. The boob lump. The boob lump. Boob lump, lump, lump. Okay, so I'm looking for... It should pull up everything with a yep, mountain in there the it name. is. There it is. Oh. Episode when th- did you review it? Episode 324. Less than a year. Yeah, it, yeah. I knew it hadn't been that long. I'm sorry. Okay. I'll just enjoy it for its own sake. Yes, and I feel like a shithead because that's such a good book for you to review. You probably <laughs> would do a much better job than I did. See, this is what happens, Pat. 
because our tastes are so similar. I know, I know. And I read so many that it doesn't affect me because I can easily just review something else. Yeah, that was really, really good. It was really good. Yeah. I read it almost right about the same time that I read. Oh, such, rem- such remarkably bright creatures. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I read it yeah. almost right at the same time. Yeah, it was last yeah, summer. There's, there's that line they have in there about, you've, you know, we've even heard about octopuses breaking out of their cages in aquariums and going down the hall and eating fish out of other cages. Yeah. I was like, that was in Remarkably Bright Yeah, creatures. I know. It was such a good book. That's the octopus. I know. Talking about. <laughs> and I think that that uh, statue is real, too. That one that statue. they describe, the octopus that they describe, the statue that's at the pier. At the very end of that, they talk about... Oh, I haven't gotten the there bronze. yet. The bronze. Oh. No, 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 not this book. Remarkably Bright Creatures. Maybe I'm misremembering. God, I read so many books. Sometimes they just kind yeah. of meld. Just, they blend together. Yeah, yeah. it's insane. Now, I, don't near, I don't get through near as many as you do, and they blend together. Well, <laughs> at least this year, we're fortunate because not everyone is going full-out horror for the month of October. So we won't have to dibs and fight over who gets to review the horror novels i'm well i would do t- i i took two weeks off in october because we were running escape rooms that's yeah. where i was today painting in escape rooms oh, okay yeah we have a uh, a very relaxed view of spooky month this year because not everybody likes the horror novels so i'm just gonna do my own thing but i have a lot of things that I reviewed during the year that I wish I'd saved because the very best ones I've already reviewed for this year. <laughs> Damn it. So what's going on in the world with you guys? Anything interesting and different? Crumble Cookie opened a new uh, store right around the corner from my house. Oh my God. That's going to be dangerous. Very <laughs> dangerous. If, if it's right around the corner from your house, that means it's right around the corner from my workplace. It's right on 63rd in May. 63rd. It's in the same shopping center as it's right across from Chick-fil-A. I never pay attention where Chick-fil-A is. Is it by um it's right across books? the street? It's right across the street from Kane's. That's not helpful either. Half price books? It's diagonal from Okay. Half price books. I don't pay attention to chicken places. God. We went to that chicken place with Rachel. I figured you'd know it. Oh, well, there's about 10,000 of those all over the city. Those cookies are really good, but they're not great. I got to say it. I'll stand up and raise my hand and say those are not great. None of the ones that they have are great. And I'll tell you why. Why? Because they're too soft. They don't. There's a, The perfect cookie should be crisp around the edges and the bottom and then soft in the center. So that you can have a little bit of both. But all those cookie places, they're all mush. Yeah. Commercial cookies are, are very soft. Yeah, they they don't have the same texture as homemade cookies. There I said it. I would I would sooner have a cookie that's chewy rather chewy than soft. Chewy is nice. Or or crisp chewy and chewy. Good. Yeah. yeah. I'm like I, that's where I radically disagree with Paul Hollywood, because he wants he wants them to be crisp. They should have a snap when, well, you, when well, you break them. Well, Paul like, Hollywood no, is no, right no. on some cookies. The snap is for certain types of cookies, not all of certain them. Certain cookies, but yeah. not. The ginger biscuit not should have a snap, he says. 
Yeah, no, so I make a chewy ginger cookie. Yeah. And I love it. I like, but I if I get to pick, the perfect ginger cookie should be, have a slight, like, hardness to it and then be soft <laughs> when you actually eat it. Yeah. It shouldn't be all floppy. You know what? Cookies are a lot like penises. <laughs> They shouldn't always. They shouldn't always be floppy. There is nothing good about an entire flop. You know what, Vonnie? I probably still go get some of them sugar cookies because those are pretty freaking awesome. We ate until we were sick, Pat, on the way back from Denver or Boulder. We mm -hmm. went for the book girl thing. We bought an entire twelve pack of cookies from Crumble. Uh-huh. And we ate them on the way home. Oh my god, I was so sick. Holy shit. Well, to be fair, when I ordered 12 cookies, I thought they'd be regular size cookies. But they're like massive. the size of my head. Oh, I, I do have a tiny head, but still. I'm going <laughs> to when I when I get the cookie, I'm going to put it on my head just to show you how accurate that is. The brothel candles. Oh yes. That was interesting. Seven minutes, huh? Yeah. So here's the thing. They I found pretty low expectations. <laughs> isn't that freaking awesome, though? Really? So <laughs> what we're talking about is, of course, I found it on Facebook in this um, article from the Museum of Artifacts. And it shows a picture. At first, I was like, oh, is that birthday candles? <laughs> but evidently, <laughs> in Europe, they used brothel candles. And it, it's just a little, it looks like a birthday candle, only it's beige. Kind of appropriate if you think about it. Mm -hmm. So the lady would light the candle when the encounter began. And then as soon as the candle was done, if you weren't done, too bad. Seven minutes, unless the girl got really smart and snipped the end off so she could have less time. Hmm. So if you were a lady in that profession, you only had to hang out with the guy for seven minutes, which when you think about it, it really doesn't take that long to do the actual act, especially with certain types of encounters. Seven minutes, Bonnie. I mean, that's like two songs, so. <laughs> two really short <laughs> songs. No, you're right. The average song is three and a half minutes. So, yeah, two songs. Exactly. <laughs> well, three and a half minutes uh, about 10 years ago. Now it's about two and a half minutes. Mm. The song length has gone down again. Short attention span theater over there. So that would have been three and a little bit songs. I think I'm going to give you some brothel candles for Christmas in your stocking, Bonnie. I told you I'm not working the second job again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess you don't really need them then. Now let's move along. I know we got to have a little bit of filth in our lives or we're just not happy. I don't suppose you have anything about sex workers from the 1900s in Europe, do you, Vonnie? But if anybody would, it would be Vonnie. I know, well, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have read about that before. I'm not reviewing a historical fiction this week. Yeah, we know you're still reading Ken Follett on the side, you cheating. <laughs> I know. And whenever I'm reading two books, I'd like to pick a different genre. 
I don't oh. often do like two historical fictions at the same time. That's one of the reasons why I haven't been doing a lot of historical fiction. I don't know why. I just I have to keep all my historical fiction focus on one time period. Cool. So I have to only have one going at a time. Well, I suppose that makes sense. And, you know, I'm still have been a little bit short on time. So I've been looking for short books shorter than my usual, you know, 28 hours. hours. Yeah. So I came across the book and I'll be honest. The only reason I decided to read this was because of the name and um, my love of that particular topic. And it was, it was weird, but relatable, if that makes sense. So I don't know if you would kind of, if this would be fiction or if it'd be more like sci-fi-ish. I want to say that it's maybe a very, very low grade sci-fi, but not so unbelievable that, you know, I couldn't follow it. So this week I read Sourdough by Robin Sloan. This is a book about a girl named Lois. She's not very long out of college and she goes to San Francisco to work as an engineer and she works programming robotic arms. And the company that she works for is very much about the job. Like a lot of people work so many hours that they just sleep there. They don't even go home. A lot of them have very, very small apartments. Some of them have apartments so small, there's not even a stove. There's just like, uh, what would you call that? Hot like plate? a smart pad, a smart pad built in where it has all of your uh, delivery services. <laughs> you just order your food. For oh, wow. Meal, basically. Mm. And then also they have this protein sludge. It's almost like I think they have, don't they have like those little like energy Slur pouches slurry? It's almost yeah. like baby food. No, I mean in real life yeah, they have Yeah, those. they do. Yeah. Well, they have something like that that a lot of people use. It's some people for every single one of their meals and it's called slurry. And it's basically just a meal replacement sludge that you slurp up. Like a, like an, so, like a yogurt pop. Gogurt. You, maybe like a yogurt pop. I kind of thought of it kind of like um, like, like jelly after you've mixed it up and it's just kind of sludgy and soft and just a little gooey. God, it sounds Anyways. disgusting. Okay. Okay, so back to the story. So Lois, who's a young lady, uh, fresh out of college, goes to work for this computer company and she loves her job she really does and she has a very small apartment that actually does have a stove but she doesn't cook she's never learned how to cook she has absolutely no interest in cooking but she comes home one time one day and she finds one of those takeout menus that's rolled up and stuck in her door you know like they do and it was for this place we sold like sourdough and like spicy soup well she loved it so much that days that she actually did go home this is where she ordered and she ordered so much that the owners knew her her voice when she called she like and they called her uh 
their biggest eater, the big eater. Um, and this goes on for a while. And one time when Lois calls, she finds out that the brothers who own this restaurant, um, their visas expired and they're going to have to leave the country. And of course, she's sad about it. They're sad. They kind of almost became friends just from her ordering, which sounds weird, but I can kind of understand it <laughs> from our like Starbucks days. I know. <laughs> I, I, I often wonder about Jen. <laughs> I know. I do, too. She's on my Facebook. I see her all the time yep, on her Same, posts. same. I just cyber stalk her now. So. <laughs> and anyways, <laughs> um, when it's her last delivery, they come over and they give her a, their sourdough starter. And they tell her this story that the sourdough starter has been passed on from generation to generation and that they had to explain to her how to feed it and everything else so that it didn't die. So the cultures didn't die. Now, Lois knows absolutely nothing about cooking. So she has to buy a book. And she went through step by step, was a little bit of a disaster the first time, but she actually made a loaf of bread. So she was so impressed with that, that she kept researching and reading and making bread and getting better at it. And she even like built an oven in her backyard to make the bread. And every time she made the bread, the loaves would come out like with faces. You know how you're supposed to score the bread? Mm -hmm. Well, she never scored the bread and where it cracked, it looked like faces. So it was kind of like a signature to this specific, to her specific bread was these faces. Everybody of course loves the bread, except for the um, diehard slurry people who just make a face and say, I don't eat bread. Pretty soon, um, somebody suggests that she um, go audition her bread for a farmer's market. So she does. And this farmer's market that she is inducted into, and I'm going to say that specifically because this is almost like a farmer's market cult. And all of these members are like super smart, genius nerds who have decided to go their own way and like grow mushrooms and make cricket cookies and, and lumbus bread and all of these different things. But everybody in this, who works in this, who's part of this farmer's market is like super smart. And I think it's even like out in the bay on an island maybe I, I don't know it was it was very cool to read about because it was almost like part of the underworld <laughs> i don't know how to explain it it just had that feeling and things happen at this farmer's market and this sourdough starter that she has almost starts to take on a life of its own and becomes its own entity in itself and it's like it evolves and it like gets smarter and just changes and Lois helps it because she's like, well, what would happen if I do this? And so on and so forth. And anyways, it was a little strange, but it, it was fun. It was a really fun read and I really enjoyed it. 
it was refreshing and fun and it's a little bit weird but not so weird that it turns you off at least somebody who doesn't read sci-fi like me like it might not be weird enough for sci-fi nerds but for me it was great you've made me curious now i'm wondering what happens with the sourdough i mean it was yeah. it was super cute and yeah it it did get a little bit technical in parks but it was like food technical, so I liked it. And now it makes know. me- It might make me feel bad about it. It's like if the sourdough turns out to be like a living sentient being, then I wouldn't be able to eat bread anymore. And I love bread. <laughs> well, I mean, yeast is live. It's a live culture. Yeah, and... but we don't know if it's if it's sentient. That's a whole different deal. I can... Well, Well, that's where yeah. maybe it's a stretch of the imagination. <laughs> I mean- I don't know. I, we eat animals, right? So it would be the difference yeah. between eating an animal and that's true. Mushrooms, bread you know, that has a personality. Mushrooms yeah. have have whole communities and underground, yeah, kind of like this, yeah, yeah, kind of like the farmers market. And they did grow mushrooms, I believe. Yes, they do. Huh. Yeah. So yeah, super fun. Loved it. Would definitely recommend it, even to somebody who is not a sci-fi nerd. And that, again, is called Sourdough by Robin Sloan. I absolutely loved that book. I loved Oh, my it. God. It was so cute. And you know I what? really liked I it. I actually have a signed copy of that book on my shelf. Do you really? I wow. do. Yeah. You know what I liked the most about it? It's like at the beginning, she's not really, she's almost anti-food. Yeah, she just she can't is. be bothered to eat. It's just too much of a pain in the ass to eat. And she's very... She just doesn't care what she eats. And that's why she considers joining the slurry crowd because it's just. Well, she does. Yeah. She does join the slurry crowd. Yeah, but crowd. I mean, so she's never really eaten anything that she's felt passionate about up to the point where she finds the soup and the sourdough. And I think that that's, for me, that was what I liked the best about it was the way she changed from the person that she was before and then the person that she became when she came into contact with this food. And it just creates such an interesting, rich story about her and her relationship to food. Well, I didn't really get that much about her relationship with food. I mean, definitely she changes a lot of her perspective, but I like the fact that she stays like uh like robotic nerdy well, even yeah, when she she's does. like in her food stage so she changes but not that much no she her, changes as her like it's almost like a maturity i guess her passions yeah, change. yeah the maturity of her relationship to food because she doesn't really allow herself to explore those things because she's too busy doing the things she's doing at work and she's not opening herself up to anything else because it's too much trouble basically mm -hmm. I don't know I really liked it as well but I didn't review it because at the time I had too many other good books and it just kind of went down the I line. remember you telling me I remember you telling me about I remember it. telling you guys about it because it was such a real it was so it was weird we might have talked about it on a, a call or something. Maybe. Because I remember you telling yeah. me about it. But it got once super weird at the it, end, for sure. Yeah, but it was still fun. It was a fun book. 
Oh, hush, Siri. Siri doesn't understand. Of course she doesn't. She would not enjoy this book. She can't taste sourdough. <laughs> sourdough is pretty delicious. It really is. And now I want sourdough. Thanks, Bonnie. You're welcome. Pat, I hope you don't have anything about food because I'm absolutely starving. I do not have anything about food in particular. I have a really different book. I'm scared. You say different. I'm really scared. Oh, no. This is, well, it it may be less different for people in Wyoming than for the rest of the world. Oh, okay. The book I read is called Zelestina Urza in Outer Space. It is not sci-fi, despite the title sounding like it should be. It is a book about the Basque culture. Oh, yes. Basque food is really, there's a Basque family that lives in that area, right right where Hudson, is it? Well, there's a Buffalo. Buffalo is a is a center of Basque oh, culture. Oh, okay. There, yeah. are, there are a lot of Basque people who live in the Buffalo, Wyoming area. Alistina Urza in Outer Space by David Romvet. And David Romvet, I saw this book in an art gallery in I was visiting the town of Buffalo and went into an art gallery, wonderful little art gallery. If you're ever in Buffalo, Wyoming, Margot's Pottery and and Art, I think it's called something like that. So amongst all the really cool artworks in there, they have one book for sale. And I look and it's this book by David Romvet. And I say, I know that name. Uh, and, and I recognize the name because he used to be the poet laureate for the state of Wyoming. Oh, yes. And he also is a musician. He plays with, I think, a Basque kind of oriented musical group called the Fire Ants that have been around for quite a while. And I used to sit on the board of an art group called Art Corps, and they would bring the Fire Ants into play. So I'd heard his name repeatedly. And I just sort of said, oh, yeah, I've heard about this guy. I think he's a poet. I think he's, you know, he's a musician. And here's a, luckily, what I said was nothing, nothing more than that. No, no snarky comments, as I am often want to make, because I know nothing about the man, really, other than that he was the poet. So I had no snark to give. But I should have thought of this. If you are in a store that is not a bookstore and they have one book for sale, if you think carefully about it, you say to yourself, this book is probably written either by someone connected to the store or by a close friend of someone who owns the store. Sure enough, David Romvet is the husband of Margot of Margot's Pottery. Oh. So luckily, I did not say anything snarky. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> so way yeah, you're if, you're, if you're in a store that does not normally sell books and it only has one book, Figure you're going to insult someone if you say anything derogatory. Right, yeah. right. But it's interesting, yeah. the way you describe that, it almost sounds like the plot of another novel. <laughs> Could have been. Yeah. Could have been. So to get to plunge into this book, it starts out in 1902 when this young Basque woman, Zelestina Urza, arrives from the Basque country, which is on the border between France and Spain. And she comes to America. She knows no one. She is 16 years old. She gets off the train in what they call Wolf in the book, Wolf, Wyoming, but thinly disguised Buffalo, Wyoming. Um, and 
it's blizzarding. She falls on the ice. She, you know, someone barely manages to get her inside and warmed up. And that's her introduction to Wyoming. This is, the book is about her life, but it's not told in a very orderly linear fashion because this book is written by a poet and it is a very poetic book. It follows digressions. It goes into little asides that can turn out to be a chapter long. Uh, it skips around in time. The narrator of the book, who uh, he never gives a name for himself, he simply says, I knew this woman, and he's clearly talking about her after she has passed. So you know by the time the book is written that uh, Zelestina is no longer with us. But, and that he didn't know her until she was a pretty old woman. So he met her in the last decades of her life. But he tells a couple of stories from her early life. And the main thing, the chief element that runs through this book is her relationship with a woman named Yellowbird Daughter, who is, uh, I believe, Shoshone, one of the Indian tribes out here. Her, she was born during the battle at Wounded Knee, the massacre Dang. at Wounded Knee. Yeah, her parents were ghost dance affiliates, participants. And if you know much about Indian history, the ghost dance was a religious movement amongst Native Americans who thought that if they dedicated themselves to this particular ritual and this dance, that it would make the white men disappear. It was eventually outlawed, I believe, by the United States government. I'm not sure what they were afraid of if they thought that it might work, <laughs> but the ghost dance, sadly for Native American culture, did not make white people disappear. And it was part of what was involved in Wounded Knee. So her parents, who were ghost dance participants, were there. Yellowbird daughter is born during the massacre at Wounded Knee. Her parents managed to survive, but by the time she is a teenager, they are crossing some mountain pass and her parents are swept over a cliff on slippery snow and killed. So she's just sitting there as a teenager, watch, watches her parents fall to their deaths, or she presumes so, they go over the cliff and she can't even see where they, where they ended up. And along comes this white man whose name is Teague, and Teague decides that he's going to marry her, whether she wants this or not. And he's a brutal, miserable kind of man who drags her off, literally shuts her up, imprisons her in his house for a couple of weeks until he thinks he's sort of tamed her. And then he drags her off to the justice of the peace and is, they're going to have a wedding and she's pulling away from him. They end up in a tussle on the steps of the courthouse. They fall. He's injured. She's injured. Zelestina witnesses this and comes to her aid. And the two become fast friends. So a good part of the story is concerned with their relationship. The whole idea of why it's called Zelestina Urza in outer space is because everything about this culture that she has come to is so foreign to her that she feels at one point she says she feels like she wouldn't be any more any more foreign any more alien if she were on the moon she is it she's living in the midst of something so unfamiliar to her a lot of the book also tells you about the basque culture in 
of the original Basque culture, which is supposedly the oldest continuous culture in, at least in Western Europe, far older than anything in France, England, Spain, and even Italy. The Basque people have been around for a long time. They have a unique language that I believe linguists have not been able to connect to any other language in the world. It is not like anything that grew out of Latin or Greek or anything else. It is a unique language. Uh, their culture is very self-sufficient. Mostly they, seems like they spend a lot of their time trying not to be overtaken, compromised, sort of nudged out of their originality by Spain. It, this is a very hard book to describe. It's poetic, it's lyrical. The character of the narrator is very interesting, although we never know his name. He reveals certain things to us about it. He came from an abusive childhood. He spent some time wandering around Europe, uh, especially after he met some Basque people in Wyoming. Then he went and really investigated the Basque culture and traveled in those areas and got to know the people in the native Basque land, as well as the Basque culture in Wyoming, speculates on all sorts of things, on the role of religion in life, on the on how cultures interact and how people become what they are. It's, it's lyrical, it's philosophical. It will not give you a point-by-point -point history, either of Zelestina's life or of Basque history. It's very free-flowing. It's very much, oh, here's a point. Here's a different point over here. Here's a different point over here. It's, it, you know, it's kind of like those of us whose thought patterns go in a straight line for about five seconds and then squirrel. That so, would be me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's beautifully written. It's an intriguing story. Zelestina turns out to be a woman that I wish I would have known. I, I suspect, even though this is a novel, something tells me that there was probably a woman that was the basis for this character that he got to know. Just a very different, very lyrical, beautiful book. And it's called Zelestina Urza in Outer Space by David Romvet. It sounds fascinating. There's a lot of really interesting Basque people and descendants in that area and man can they cook one of the scenes is of, of their big summer picnic festival where they gather they go high up in the mountains and have a like a two-day picnic music festival kind of thing and the descriptions of the food are pretty enticing yeah all right i read a book this week that surprised me so much that i almost felt like <laughs> I wasn't sure if I should really review it because it really flies in the face of everything I dislike about certain types of books. But the reason that I picked it up is because I have had this author's debut novel on my shelf for years. And every once in a while, I look at it and I think, gosh, dang it, when is Nathan Hill going to write another book? The original, his very first novel was called The Knicks, and I loved that book. So I got on the list right away for this one, and it's called Wellness by Nathan Hill. The book, I suppose if I had to really say what it's about, it's about a relationship. It's about Jack and Elizabeth 
they met in college, but the way they met was really kind of weird because they both lived in apartments that face each other with a window. So he basically watched her through the window. He would shut his light off and watch her. And she was doing exactly the same thing to him. So they kind of fell in love watching each other. And then eventually he gets up the nerve to speak to her out in public because she knows where he's at all the time. So she's kind of following him in the periphery and he's a photographer. So she's watching him while he's taking pictures, hoping that he will finally notice her. Well, of course, he knows where she is all along. So they're very young when they first meet. And he's very artsy. She is a psychologist. And that's what she's studying in school. Honestly, the reason that I ended up loving the novel is because of its complexity. You not only get to see the way they first meet, but you get to see what they each do and why. It kind of bounces all over the place in time. And probably the main portion of the book is taking place after they've been together for, I don't know how many years, but they have a young child. And it shows her struggle with their son and the way he behaves. It shows their relationship to each other over time, you know, the way their relationship grows and whatnot. She works for a company that basically tests things and they do studies and sometimes the drugs that they give are placebos. But the things that they discover is that some people, there are some conditions which you can give a placebo to these participants and it solves their problem 40% of the time. So then she ends up kind of following that same thread and she has this, she takes over this business that she's been working for called wellness. And she decides, she's just going to pitch the whole idea of doing the testing and sell cures for these things that they've they saw the reaction to because it really in her opinion and her the way that she's seen things it really does help people one of those drugs or not drugs but placebos that they do is a love potion like make my husband fall in love with me again type thing she meets this woman in this neighborhood where they've decided to build their forever home which is basically a condo that's being refurbished from this um, old building from a guy that they have known for a long time. But it's really expensive, more than they could really probably afford. And so they basically give all their savings to this guy who's redoing this building. The neighborhood that it's in is kind of fancy. And they they get their son in this school that's going to be in their new neighborhood. Well, of course, you know, she starts to meet some of these people that are in this neighborhood and tries to start fitting in with them. She meets this woman, I think her name is Brandy or something. And she's very, very social media savvy. She's got a relationship out there all the time on Instagram and Facebook. And she looks 
like the perf- they look like the perfect family on the surface. Well, when she meets Elizabeth, Elizabeth mentions what she does, and Elizabeth gives the example of this love potion. Brandy, or Brittany, or whatever her name is, begs to have it. Well, she gives it to her, and that's just part of it. In the meantime, Jack and Elizabeth are struggling with some concerns of their own. She doesn't understand why she doesn't desire him anymore. So she ends up talking to some other to this other woman at the school who talks about the swingers club that she's a part of. So basically it all comes together in this wild ending where everything comes to a head and yes, everything comes together. You find out the motivation for the businesses that both of them went into and it has an ending that I, you guys know how much I hate happy endings, but it, this one has a very happy ending. And it's cool because you get to find out so much stuff about these two characters. And you really feel like you have lived with them. You really feel like, like you've made a connection with them because you've known their whole relationship together and all these weird things that they've been through. Oh my gosh, it was just so good. I don't know what else to say other than read it because it was fantastic definitely not my normal type of book but nathan hill knows how to hit my buttons because i bawled like a baby at the end of this book absolutely sobbed it was so good but it was happy it was happy i mean yeah it was the ending was a happy en- it was a happy ending anyway that book was called wellness by nathan hill a very unlikely read for me, but I would not have read it if I had not loved his first novel. And it just goes to show you that sometimes you have to step outside of your regular way of doing things to find something spectacular. It is outside your regular one. I just looked it up and it says it's a selection for Oprah's book club. Yep. Well, yep. like like I said, I I read it because I loved his first book so much and I've been waiting for him to release something for all this time. I think it was one of the very first books I ever reviewed or one of the very first years that we did this podcast. And I just kind of keep looking at it on my shelf and think, oh, man, I wish he'd write something else because I loved that book. So yeah, that's my story. Well, there, here's some news that's book related. The Book Thief is going to get a musical which I'm, you know, I'm I'm down with that. I I think that's a it's such an interesting story. I think it could make a wonderful piece of theater. Although it ranges across so many places that yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it might be but difficult. Then they, I mean, look at what they've made up. They made a musical out of Warhorse that range, you know, ranges across I don't know anything about that one. Oh. That's it. Oh, it's, uh, well, I didn't see the stage play. I've seen the movie, which is oh, really powerful. No, I didn't but, see uh, the movie. But, I mean, and it could be completely different. Look what they did with Wicked. I know. I, when I was thinking about that, but there are some books that are so raw and so, it almost feels, uh, all right, it almost feels disrespectful to me to make a musical Why? out of something that I loved so much. 
Well, that's because you hate musicals. So you see it as an insult. Musicals are musicals are all right. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know. It just feels like it feels like it cheapens it somehow. It could be some very uh, could be a very powerful one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be like cutesy and funny like grease or hairspray. <laughs> well, they did it with yeah. Wicked. It can be Wicked wasn't funny. Can... Wicked wasn't funny at all, and they took that and made it. Maybe that's what I'm kind of. Yeah, but they also made it into Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Look no. at Wizard of Oz. Wizard, Wizard of, Oz of Oz was fucking weird. Have, did you the read? The book was weird. Did you read the original of the Wizard um, of Oz? I think I read part of it. I haven't read the did whole Did you thing. read it, Pat? I did it so long ago, I don't really remember. Yeah, that. I mean, there, there is almost no correlation between, mm-hmm. obviously a little bit, between the original Frank L. Baum books and the Wizard of Oz. I mean, there's just... I know there's a lot more books. I mean, the, yeah. the movie is one, and there's several more books in the series. And boy, are they strange. It's almost like Alice in Wonderland strange. So, I mean, it's just really hard to say what they're going to do. And it de- maybe... Depending on what they do with it, it's just a, another way to share a wonderful story. Maybe. It might be fine. It's like springtime for... Don't knock for, it until you watch spring it. Springtime for Hitler, you know? <laughs> just feels wrong to have a musical about the holocaust yeah but book thief really wasn't too much holocaust it was more about that one little girl's story so and yes there's gonna be if they do it like the book there's gonna be jews marching to the internment camps through the town but it's mainly about that little girl's and the dude in the basement come on it's so serious. It just isn't. Uh, but it might be great. I suppose I should just reserve. You know, Sound of Music was um, a fun one, but there were some serious parts about them trying to get away from the Nazis. Yeah, the Nazis. Yeah. Okay. So okay, I I guess I never put it into that perspective. It's not just the Von Trapp children singing. There's some serious stuff in Sound yeah. of Music if you actually watch all of it. Oh, I've watched it a bunch of times. Cabaret? Yeah. Cabaret's a musical with, with a World War II background to it. I don't think I've seen that one. You never seen Cabaret? Oh. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a little bit too behind on my musicals. <laughs> You just don't want to watch them you, because you don't like them. And that's You that's might like fair. Cabaret because Cabaret, Cabaret has some, some pretty interesting twists and hmm. kinks to it. Kinks? And it's an absolutely, absolutely killer performance by Liza Minnelli. Uh, that, was, that was the role she was born to play. Yeah, Before maybe she I got should. Weird and crazy. Yeah. She, well. was, she was a powerhouse. Hey, crazy people usually do some great... <laughs> yeah. Performance. Yeah. 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 I would say there's a reason why guys pick the crazies to date and marry. Because we're so dynamic. Yep. (laughs) Something. (laughs) Crazy in all aspects of their life, maybe. Well, when Pat said kink, she sold me. 
<laughs> now, obviously, there's something wrong with me. I mean, any 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 musical that has a song in it about a sexual relationship between two women and a guy in a gorilla suit. What more can you ask? <laughs> <laughs> a guy in a gorilla suit. Now I want to watch so, it. So, so what platform can I watch this on? <laughs> <laughs> That's like a new kind of what? What? what well, Bonnie's Bonnie put her crocheting down and is looking it up, dude. Now I'm not looking it up. I'm <laughs> counting squares. But that's that's the kind of furry that I might get into as a gorilla suit. <laughs> Let's see, cabaret. You can watch it on. You can you can rent it on YouTube or Google Play or Vudu or Redbox if you go the mm -hmm. Redbox route. Oh, and Prime Video. Oh, Prime Video. Yeah. Okay. I guess I know what I'm doing later. Watching a musical. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell is happening to this world? It must have been having cancer that changed me. I don't know. All of a sudden, I'm reading about relationships and watching musicals in my spare time. What, it's those hormone blockers. Person? Is that what is it? <laughs> Cancer made me a shallower person. That's right. And there's a book for that, too, that Pat gave me. It's a graphic novel, by the way, if you're looking for something to read. So we do have a suggestion for you. If you have a hankering to meet us, we're usually on the we're usually all on the end of the month call that we do for our Patreon people. We do a call where everybody gets to get on and talk about books, and it's really awesome. So if you join us and become a Patreon member. A little Zoom cocktail book party. Yes. And, of course, we do special episodes, which we owe you one now, Patreon people. <laughs> I think we, we haven't done a special episode <laughs> in so long. We owe well, you. Well, you and Pat did a, yeah, we Pat did. Did a mini Pat episode, Pat and I did right? a mini episode about um, our- Tchaikovsky. Yeah, Adrian Tchaikovsky. <laughs> Yep, and we've got another one in our back pocket because we talked about what to do it on. So another one's coming. If you hurry and become a member, then you can get the privilege of listening to a special episode made just for you. Yeah, I like the mini episodes. Mini episodes like are they... awesome. Maybe we should do more of those. Anyway, join us. Join us. Go to patreon.com and search three book girls all right there was let's see there was the spider bite that gives you a boner i didn't get a chance to read that when i just saw the headline new erectile dysfunction drug it's really not all that funny <laughs> it could be was, though people oh, trying yeah. to self-medicate with a spider bite erectile function <laughs> <laughs> Running around looking for spiders to bite them. I, I, oh, no, look, honey. This one's blue. It has to work. <laughs> oh, my God. It's actually huh. the Brazilian banana spider, you know, the kind that when when you hear stories about people finding spiders in bunches of bananas, that's the spider yeah. that causes the boner. Well, uh -huh. nobody would have a potassium shortage for so sure. is it really a bunch of bananas they're hiding in, or is it just a bunch of boners? You know, maybe that's why maybe they hide in the bananas. Go ahead. Maybe that's why the bananas are shaped the way they are. It's from the spider bites. Or why they're not flaccid. They're nice and <laughs> yeah. straight. 
<laughs> you see me or is that a banana spider in your pocket? That's going to do bananas. it. That's going to do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.